you pray with me? God, we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. We know that we bring almost nothing of value except our heart. So I'd ask that you would give us hearts to hear what you would have to say to each one of us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So for those of you who do not know, I am a transplanted northerner. But I will never respond to the fact if somebody calls me a Yankee. Because that is a very bad baseball team that plays in the Bronx and they wear pinstripes and they are evil. We teach our children that they are evil. Okay, so I just want to clear that up. So being a transplanted northerner, I had to learn a few southern expressions when I moved to these parts. <laughs> so I thought I would go over a few of them just to see if you know them. The first one is, bless your heart. I found out this is actually not a blessing. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, they're not wishing them good, but okay. So then I heard, bless his pee-picking heart. And I went, what? Turns out that's even less of a blessing. Hmm. This one's funny. He squeezes a quarter so tight the eagle screams. That means he's fairly frugal, I think. Um, too poor to paint, too proud to whitewash. Never heard that, but it means that you're poor. Too poor to paint, too proud to whitewash. All right. That dog won't hunt. Now, I had to look this up. It means that that person's lying. But why blame the dog? Like, I just don't get it. Maybe it's just the northern thing. Uh, um, this one I liked. If that boy had an idea, it would die of loneliness. <laughs> that means that he's not all that right. Yep. Um, one expression did make it to the north, and my mother said it to my brother and I quite frequently, most often when we were in the car. It went something like, if you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Okay, that did make it north of the Mason-Dixon line, so you should know that. Um, but my favorite expressions, favorite southern expressions, are those about being surprised. And so I found just three, because not all of them you can say in church. Just saying. The first one is, well, butter my butt and call me a biscuit. I went, um, not going to go there. Okay. Then, well, slap my head and call me silly. And I was like, hmm, never heard that one. Okay. That just deals my pickle. What? Okay. So the last one is what I selected for my sermon title today, which is, well, shut my mouth. Again, not something we say where I come from, but makes sense. The dog does not get involved. Just saying. So I've taken that last one, will shut my mouth, because one of the Advent characters that we don't talk too much about actually might have uttered that phrase in Hebrew or Aramaic or whatever language he would have spoken. Will shut my mouth, because he was surprised. It's Zechariah 
who is the father of John the Baptist. So you'll remember the setup. If you don't remember the story, I'm going to give you a little synopsis. Um, after being visited by the angel to announce her very unconventional pregnancy, Mary goes to visit her older cousin, Elizabeth, who is significantly older and had been barren. Meant she couldn't have children, and that was seen as sort of a social stigma. People would have pitied her, um, talked about her, whispered behind her back. Um, it was a common belief at that time, false, of course, that somehow she or Zechariah had sinned and God was punishing them because they didn't have children. That was not true. And it was even weird that they believed that because Zechariah himself was a priest, so he should have known better. But, uh, yeah. So Mary went to visit Elizabeth, and she too is having a miraculous pregnancy. Elizabeth's came about in the conventional way. Mary's did not. Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, and that is how she was pregnant. So Elizabeth's unexpected but welcome pregnancy kind of stands in contrast to Mary, who is young, not married, and a virgin. Not that it's not welcome, but unexpected in a different way. Miraculous. Um, but it's likely, and the Bible does not record this, but it's likely that Mary probably made the journey to her cousin Elizabeth's house just to get out of town because people would have been talking and making some assumptions about things that she might have done that she shouldn't have done. Neighbors, am I right? So Luke, the gospel writer, contrasts this learned priest, Zechariah, with young, innocent Mary. They both get visited by angels to tell them about unexpected pregnancies, but their reactions are very different. Zechariah, who served in the temple and whose name means the Lord remembers, evidently was not living up to his name because he did not remember the Isaiah passage that talks about somebody coming ahead of the Messiah. So he says, how can I be sure that this will happen? Now, just as an aside, if an angel from the Lord visits you and gives you a message, I don't know if it's happened to anyone in here, not happened to me, I would take their word for it. I'm just saying. But Zechariah, who is a priest, he's from the line of Aaron, he should have known that when an angel appears to you in the temple and tells you a message, He's not making it up. So he was very surprised, and he could have said, well, shut my mouth. But what he said was, um, how can this happen? I'm not really sure. How can I know that what you're saying is true? Mary, on the other hand, not a priest, just probably a 13 or 14-year-old girl, says, in awe and reverence, without disbelief or doubt, how can this be? It's very different from, how can I know it's true, to, hmm, 
How can this be? But she immediately follows it with the statement that says, Let it be to me as you have said, for I am the Lord's servant. So you see the two different reactions. Zechariah, skeptical, doubt-filled. Mary, puzzled, but awe-filled and trusting God. These are two very different reactions. So the angel tells Zechariah that because of his doubt or lack of faith, he will be unable to speak until the baby is born. At which point they must name him John. And John means the Lord is merciful. If he were from the south, Zechariah would have said, well, shut my mouth. And the angel did. For nine months. Must have been a very quiet time in the house before Mary visited. So the angel tells Mary how her pregnancy will come about. The, the uh, angel of the Lord, Lord will overshadow you. And that no word from God will ever fail. And Mary says, okay, that's true. She humbly and joyfully accepts it. You see, there's surprise in the Zechariah way. That's mostly doubt-filled. And there's surprise in the Mary way with faith and obedience. So this morning, just for a few minutes, I'd like us to put ourselves in the Zechariah shoes. Now you may think that's kind of odd, but think about this. For many of us, that's actually not a stretch. Because although we are people of the book and we've been in church for a while, we've not had a miraculous occurrence, most of us, that we can point people to and go, yes, God definitely did that. We have doubts. We want to believe, but we're sort of going, hmm, not really sure, can't take it to the bank 100%. Hmm. So we await, like Zechariah did, the return of the Messiah, the promised king, and we know that that king is Jesus, and he's coming to bring about a new kingdom that we pray in the Lord's Prayer about every week, Lord, your will on earth as it is in heaven. So he's going to launch a kingdom where righteousness and holiness and is so visible and so obvious that sin will go away. We all like to think that that's coming and that it's true, and yet sometimes we have doubts. So we're going to be a little doubting like Zechariah. We know that it might come, we want to believe it will come, but see, we long for, and this is the, the desire that's placed in our hearts by God, we long for the time when the kingdom truly will come. There'll be no more war, no more immigration debates, no more Twitter wars, no more mass shootings, no more opioid epidemics, no more illnesses. Any of the things that we suffer with, we long for a better way. The heavenly kingdom will come, 
and there will be no more tears and no more sorrow and no more death and no more war and no more suffering. We want that. And yet, it hasn't come so far, so we're sort of a little nervous, a little doubtful. Isaiah 40 says, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And I think we kind of hear that and go, yeah, right, whatever the Lord says will come true. But it's really true. Nothing, 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 nothing is impossible with God. Burning bushes, red seas parted, plagues, Ten Commandments, healings, resurrection, everything is possible with God. So why not? Why can't he bring that kingdom? He's going to. So Psalm 107 that Pastor Howard read was, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's you and I, you and I, us. We're supposed to talk about Jesus. So I've been thinking about this. Staying silent when we have the words from God, the words of life and salvation, it's like staying silent in the face of injustice. <coughs> it's like a little bit denying God's power when we keep our mouth shut. See, the angel shut the mouth of Zechariah very purposefully, but our mouths haven't been shut. We can speak, and we should. The wise men are always held up as sort of the heroes of the story. They have this very long trek, years actually, following the star, and they have confidence, and yet most of us don't have that confidence. We're like Zechariah. We know what we're supposed to believe, and we want to, but we don't necessarily always believe. So God did actually, through the angel, what was best for Zechariah. What? Yeah, he shut his mouth. Because if you don't have something faith-filled to say, you should just shut your mouth and watch God work. And he did that for him for nine months. He got to sit and watch God work for nine months. And then, only then, does God open Zechariah's mouth. And when he does, that's our passage today. We're gonna to see, after nine months of not being able to speak, what he says. So if you want to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, verse 67, we're going to read down through verse 80. I'm sorry, I didn't find out which page it was in the Pew Bibles, but it's Luke 1590. 1590, thank you, Dean. So this is called Zechariah's Song. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel because he has come and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. 
as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, so now he's talking to about John the Baptist, the baby. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. So after nine months of silence, Zechariah praises God. He can't stop talking about it. He's quoting the Old Testament scriptures that Pastor Howard read, Isaiah and many others, Psalms, and there's lots of stuff packed in there, but he cannot help but praise God. And he says, God is merciful. He had me name him John because God really is merciful. So that's what Zechariah learned by having his mouth shut for nine months. So I thought I'd do a little bit of a modern translation of what he said. This is what it essentially boils down to in 2019 English. God's word is true. He promised way back in Abraham's time to deliver us from our enemies and our suffering. He made a solemn and unbreakable promise to us. He told the prophets to remind us that God cares for us, even when we suffer. God will provide a way. A way for us not only to endure, to just survive, but to love and to prosper and live in holiness and righteousness because God is merciful and God is good forever. That's essentially what it says. And then the second part of it, when he starts talking to his baby son, it says this, again, my translation. But because God is so good, so loving, and so merciful, he has a purpose and a job for you. You, my son, unlike me, will be someone who does not stay silent but will go before the Messiah, telling everyone about the way that God has made. The way of forgiveness, the way of justice, the way of love and mercy and kindness, ushering in that kingdom that we want so bad. The people are in a terrible sadness and they feel the world is closing in on them. 
you will be the one who can point to the light. You're not going to point to yourself. You're going to point to Jesus. He's good forever. So instead of us being like Zechariah, who doubted, let's put ourselves into Mary's shoes this Advent season. We know God's word is true. The hope for his kingdom is real. And that it will happen. Let's not be surprised in the Zechariah way and be silent, but let's be the ones like the grown-up John the Baptist that would cry out in the desert, make way for the Lord. Don't be silent. Don't hide or deny by staying silent. John's whole life, ironically to me, was spent talking about Jesus because his father's mouth had to be shut so he could learn how merciful God was. So his dad was forced into silence, but John spoke, spoke boldly, preached the forgiveness of sins. No one shut his mouth, and no one has shut our mouths. So we should be the ones saying, make way for the Lord. He loves you. He wants to bring you into his kingdom. There is a better way. It's God's way. It's Jesus. Pray with me. Merciful God, the Advent season is about waiting expectantly and sharing our hope, the true hope that your kingdom is coming and that you are merciful and you are loving and your kingdom will come. Help us to not be silent. Help us to not doubt. And when we have doubts, Lord, open our mouths instead of shut them and have us proclaim your goodness to those around us. We want our lives to point to you. In Jesus' name, amen.